Hey folks, welcome back to another episode of Middle Class Rockstar. I'm your host, Andy Sitto. I'm a Denver-based singer, songwriter, uh, performer, and my guest today is Nashville-based singer-songwriter performer Aaron Ray. Okay, welcome back. It's good to see you. I can't see you. What am I saying? Anyway, it's good to it's good to talk to you. It's good to talk and have no one say anything back. <laughs> um, it's good. To put out a new episode. How's that? We'll leave it there. Um, as I just mentioned, my guest is Erin Ray. Uh, she lived the first part of her childhood in Jackson, Tennessee, before her family moved to Nashville when she was in about sixth grade. That's where she still resides. Um, when she went to college, she went off to Tennessee State for a semester, then came back during winter break, went to an open mic and accidentally fell in love and said, you know what, I, I want to do this instead. So she started focusing all her time and energy on uh, becoming a performer and a songwriter. And several years later, she's really done something with it. Um, she had Aaron Ray in the Meanwhiles and put out her first uh, record as that ensemble. And then in 2018, she came out with Putting On Airs, which came out on uh, John Paul White's label, uh, single lock records, and that's based in uh, in Florence, Alabama. The roster is Nicole Atkins, St. Paul and the Broken Bones, and several others. Uh, in the words of John Paul White, when I first heard Aaron's compelling voice, I knew nothing about her. It was live with no intro. She was opening for friends of mine, and I was instantly transfixed. I couldn't wait to engage, and that's something I very seldom feel, much less do. I was thrilled to find out her personality was engaging as her voice and songs and that she was looking for a home. I couldn't be happier to be hitching our wagons together. Over the last few years, uh, she's toured solo and with a band and had the opportunity to, to open for acts such as Jason Isbell, Father John Misty, The Wood Brothers, His Golden Messenger, Dawes, and Andrew Combs, among others. She has a new record that just came out on February 4th entitled Lighten Up. It's 12 new tracks uh, produced by Jonathan Wilson. It's out on 30 Tigers Records. Wonderful album from top to bottom. Uh, I really enjoy Cosmic Sigh. I love the string arrangement on that. Um, True Love's Face. But they're all good. Uh, go listen to the record if you haven't already. It's a very... Um, well, we talk about it a little bit. I, I've, I was sort of thinking of it as a modern Americana sound. There's lots of synths and different keyboards. Um, and string arrangements and things like that, but there's still a very classic feel. And Aaron brings up, well, these are all real instruments. So some of these things that give it that modern sound are actually keyboards that are 50 years old, which is pretty neat, I think. So anyway, uh, in our conversation, we chat about her new, uh, her new record and uh, what's next, how she first got into music. And uh, yeah, I think you're going to enjoy it. Before we jump in, quick thanks to our sponsors. First, PQ Mastering. Patrick at PQ Mastering puts the finishing touches on this podcast. And for any of your audio or restoration needs, visit pqmastering.com. Also, Narrator Music. For simple and affordable licensing for sync, visit narratorrf.com. If you'd like to support this podcast, you can do so in either a monetary or non-monetary way. Um, for free, you can give it a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. It, it's a huge help and just takes a moment. Um, 
And if you'd like to help out in a monetary way, if you're in a position to do so, I'm on Patreon at Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W dot com. Sorry, patreon.com slash Andy Sido, S-Y-D-O-W. One more time, patreon.com slash Andy Sido. Um, and you can join my community there um, where I put out uh, tracks early. I sometimes do some production videos, uh, sometimes put out podcasts early um, or blog posts, whatever. It's all up there, and you can join for as little as $3 a month. Okay, enough of that. Let's jump in to my conversation with Aaron Ray. Aaron, what's up? Thanks for joining Hello. me. Hi, thanks for having me. So excited to talk to you. And uh, and you're in Nashville right now, yeah? Yes, I am. I just moved uh, to my friend Sean's house, so I'm in my my brand new room. Uh, yeah, for settling in. <laughs> very good, very good. But you've been in Nashville. I think I was reading since middle school. You moved from Jackson to Nashville. Yes. Yep. We moved here in 2001, um, in August of that year. So yeah, still, still here, still kicking around. Um, yeah. I feel more, I don't know. I was just saying to someone else, I feel like more, uh, just more settled in here all the time, like more committed to just being here, I guess, without sounding intense. <laughs> I, I feel like early twenties and in recent years, I've been like, maybe I'll try living somewhere else, blah, blah, blah. But um, I don't know. Right now, it's feeling good. So, I'm, I'm, If you ever felt, I mean, reason for feeling trying somewhere else, I mean, is it because of having the industry and so many songwriters in town? Or, I mean, what are what are some of the doubts that, that you had earlier on? Um, I don't think there's any doubts, really. It's just I feel like I grew up here and kind of a um, – you know, just, it might be useful or like, yeah, I don't know, a part of like just self-development or experiencing different cities. And, um, but I'm getting to do that a lot, you know, being on tour quite a bit. So, uh, so yeah, I'm getting to scratch that itch, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That's great. And you came to uh, Nashville, like you said, in, in two, uh, 2001, but were in Tennessee before that. Was the move to Nashville initially um, for music? I know both your parents um, are musical people. Was that the reason for coming to town? No. Um, I think they. we were living in Jackson, Tennessee at the time. They played music um, kind of throughout my life, but... I think it was more just about wanting to kind of give us um, the experience of living in a bigger place that has more kind of like diverse, um, just like opportunity um, and more kinds of folks like, <laughs> yeah. um, you know, just access to like what a little, what a bigger city can offer. Um, we went to like a weird hippie church uh, and that was just more like-minded folks, I think for my parents and, uh, better jobs. And yeah, my dad worked at Vanderbilt, um, 
for a long time here. And then my mom worked for a couple of different, um, drug and alcohol treatment centers, uh, in town once we moved here. And yeah, it just seems like they found a large community of people they liked. And I am so grateful they did because it made it really easy for me to decide to start playing music. You know, I was like, Oh, I'm just going to go downtown and discover this world of open mics, which I didn't even intentionally do, you know? So, yeah. yeah. Well, and was that when you first decided you were going to start writing songs was finding some of those open mics unintentionally? Yes. My, yeah, my older brother moved to town, um, that like the winter of 2008, um, like December that year. And then he is also really into music and was like, Hey, I'm going to go to this open mic at cafe Coco downtown. Do you want to come? And I was like, yeah, I was home for my, my winter break from college, my first semester. And, uh, we went there and some friends, these two brothers, Joshua and Jonathan Odine were there from, uh, that I knew from high school and they were playing at the open mic and it was packed and there was all kinds of different people playing different songs. And it just was like very magical to me. So like that first night I sang an acapella song, like an old doc Watson song <laughs> and wow. I didn't, uh, I was like last, a last edition once a lot of people had left. Um, they were like, just get out there, just do it, you know? And of course, like being encouraged like that makes a big difference um, to like my experience of it being so magical. And I like went home and could just kept going back every week for a couple of weeks and uh, yeah, started writing songs to have something to play basically. Um, at the open mic and just discovering that, um, yeah, I feel like I had kind of tiptoed my way into trying to write a song here and there, like writing lyrics down in a notebook before, but I think it was just seeing other people like my own age kind of doing that, um, in so many different ways on us on stage. I was like, Oh, okay, cool. Like I'm going to try it, you know? And so these, these first few open mics, you were writing songs to have to play at the open mic. Did you have at that point, any goals beyond that to really pursue music or were you just thinking about having something for next week's mic? I think at that point it was like early, early on, I was just like wanting to keep, keep the hang going. Cause it was so much fun and wanted to be wanting to be a part of it. Um, but like, Kind of maybe like a month in, I was like, I think I want to not go back to school. I want to stay here and like be around this. Um, and uh, I, I, at that time I said like pursue music, but I didn't really have like clear, a clear idea of like what that meant or like how long pursuing a music career takes or what it would develop into. Um, but the first thing was that I needed to like learn to play guitar better. And, uh, I guess so I got started taking voice lessons and guitar lessons. Um, but yeah, so it kind of, I don't know. I feel like specific goals have all, are evolving all the time as far as that goes. Cause at the time it was just like, I want to play music. Like I want to play on a stage 
definitely had dreams of playing the Ryman going on tour um, in sort of maybe like a fantastical view of like what that would be as of course, like is natural. I think before you start experiencing it, you're like, Oh, like you see a show or I see a show and I'm like, I don't know. Just, I just remember seeing shows at the Ryman and and like feeling this like warm, glowy feeling and being like, I want to do that and experience this up there. (laughs) Like, um, but yeah. And so I think putting one foot in front of the other and just like starting to, to play shows and start collaborating with people. I don't know. The, the path kind of starts to reveal itself, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, and one thing that I find is interesting is that you said you went to your first open mic and sang after a semester of college. Um, so in, in what, you went to Tennessee Tech, is that correct? Yes. So after a semester at Tennessee Tech, you come home and discover this. What were you initially going to school for? Um, I was just, I mean, I think at that point it was just like general gen ed, um, but I was gonna maybe do like I was definitely gonna be a therapist I think um I was thinking about like art therapy or music therapy or you know my mom I'm very familiar with that world just very comfortable with that world uh because of my mom's line of work and just like growing up around it um so that could have been a path for sure. Um, yeah. But, you know, that first semester, it's kind of like, who really, uh, who really knows yeah, <laughs> what they want right. that first sure. You know, sure. I did have a really great um, English, like a writing professor. I got to meet um, this Andrew Smith um, at Tennessee Tech and, uh, he was super encouraging of my like writing and then put on a show for me at Tennessee tech when I was like a year later. Uh, wow. When I was coming back there, you know, it was like early, early on in my attempts to tour and stuff, but where he actually, I saw him at, I think it might've been the Ryman when I opened for Dawes and um, I don't know. So yeah, I feel like those folks, it was, he was yeah. impactful on my on my path for sure. There was a necessary semester. Yeah. Um, and so, at what point did you start putting together bands and going out and playing full length shows after doing some open mics? Um, I I'm like when is my first? Well, I think the first couple of tours I did were like solo songwriter tours my friend ian and i had a project called beards as well um we primarily like sing his songs and i contributed a couple but mostly just sing harmony and um so we did a couple of like a lot of house show sort of vibe uh we did two tours with beards and then i also did a solo songwriter tour with my friend john davy um yeah he was a great songwriter. He lives up in Michigan now. Um, so I kind of like got introduced to that, to the ropes from him. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then um, I tried, 
I did like a week of shows here in the States after my first record came out, like just going up, uh, like Philly, New York, DC and back. And then got to go the next year to the UK. And I feel like that's kind of when I got to start really touring is it started as like, yeah, I guess it was like 2015 was the first time I took like a five piece band on the road, totally, uh, without budgeting and realizing. Right. <laughs> oh, um, but we had a great time and yeah, it just kind of like, it's like a messy thing to learn for me. I don't know to yeah gotta get out there and start understanding what's happening, you know? Yeah. Difference between, like I said, the difference between like the fantasy and the reality and, uh, yeah. And then I guess like more heavy touring, I got to start, uh, most, most, a lot of my touring has been solo and duo over the last several years and with like chunks of time, a few weeks here and there where I've gotten to take a band. So I'm excited for my next record to get to really kind of flesh that out. And do you, do you prefer solo or band or is it strictly what the gig calls for if you're opening for someone and they need you to do solo acoustic? I mean, do you have a preference? Um, I think at this point I'd prefer to take a band. Um, I definitely always have, have fun doing whatever, whatever it calls for. Um, I think with this record specifically, I'm excited to take a band um, just because there's like a lot of layers to it. But there, the, there's definitely benefits to both things, you know. Doing the solo route is good for developing the, uh, just, yeah, that skill set. It's all, it's all important. And, and there's things you can kind of do went by yourself, like changing things up suddenly, or I don't know that you can't necessarily do if you have a group of five people, you know? Yeah. Uh, But I'm excited to have it be more, you know, just develop a full length show. Like you're saying, like, and, uh, yeah. Well, and, and that'll be fun to do with this new record, uh, lighten up, which just came out as we're talking, I came out on, on February 4th. Um, it's so, Jumping into this record a little bit, it, there's a lot of very modern sounds. Um, you know, there's synths and, and uh, I mean, just a lot of cool stuff going on. But it's also, um, you can see some older influences as well. It feels like a mesh of things. Um, when you wrote these songs and you had these group of songs, is this what you envisioned for them? Was there a specific sound you were going for heading into the studio? I think I knew, I knew I wanted to like expand the sonic palette with this record. And, uh, and I mean, lighten up (laughs) to have, just like have fun with the recordings. Um, but yeah. And like the synths and stuff, what's so cool like that, I think everything that Jonathan used stuff he had in a studio and it's all like vintage it's you know it, it's like the modern sound of synths and everything but it's all from uh machines that are like 50 years old yeah, <laughs> at this right. point or, or 40 years old or whatever you know so it's like 
um, yeah, it's cool. I feel like there's like a good bit of like whimsical, a bit of whimsy (laughs) and like, like, especially in modern woman in that song. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I just, I kind of was open. I knew I I had some like classic references in mind and we shared some songs back and forth that are inspiring to us, but I kind of went in with more of an open mind and wanted, it was just down to like learn from what they're, what they're going to be doing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And, and you mentioned Jonathan, uh, Jonathan Wilson was a producer on this record. Uh, where did you go out to record it? Um, we went to his place in Topanga Canyon. Okay. California. Yeah. And was it all, I mean, were, were you guys shooting things back and forth some where you recorded for a few days, went home, he sent it to you, or were you just out there for a block of time and, and got the whole thing knocked out? I was there for 10 days. I mean, knocked the whole thing out. Um, we recorded like 16 songs, I think in, in five days, um, like the ba- basics. And then the other five days were like trying different keyboardy things and yeah, um, having friends come by to add parts. Um, and then afterwards, like a month or two later, he had, um, excuse me, Drew Erickson that played uh, keys on the record. He arranged strings for a handful of the songs like Cosmic Sigh and Candy yeah. and Curry and uh, so they did a session at Valentine's studio in LA, um, to track those parts. Um, and that, so that was the only part that was like after the fact. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to ask you about the string arrangement uh, on those songs, especially, uh, especially Cosmic Psy. Did you get to go out there for that part of the process? No, um, I was in Nashville for that, but my friend Ren Evans that did a lot of the documentation of the um, just photos and videos of like the making of the record. Um, she lives in LA and uh, she went to the studio and got some videos and photos of, yeah. of it. So I got to see um, kind of, you know, have a fly on the wall uh, yeah. without actually being there. Second, second best thing. Yeah. What, and how big was the, was the string ensemble? Um, I, I think it's four people or five. Okay. I need to look at the, uh, the photo. I think it's, I want to say it's four people. Well, they got a very full sound. I thought, I mean, yes, they sound like an orchestra. I, yeah, I imagine that they did some layers. Yeah. Some layers were, were put down. Um, yeah, because it, oh, that when I got the, I had heard a couple of other things that Drew worked on, did the string arrangements for, and one in particular being um, some stuff on Father John Misty's newest record, which has this like huge, like orchestra sound, um, very like big band kind of style. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I heard, I heard that. And I, part of me wondered like if that was going to be specific, like saved for like that big record, you know, or if anyways, I just was like really excited when I got it back and it sounded so old Hollywood, you know, Yeah. To have a, oh, it sounded like it could have been tracked like 30, 
in the thirties or something. Yes. Um, so that super special. And so, and it sounds like you were saying it's all, it was all real instruments. There was no like MIDI sounds uh, on, you know, on any of the keyboards or anything like that. It was actually using the real keyboard uh, yes. or whatever to get all the sounds. Yeah. Yeah. So when you give, when you have a producer, whoever that is, um, you know, I know it can be tough to give up some of that creative control and you have to put a lot of trust in. Was there any point where in the studio you thought, you know, this song's supposed to sound like this and it's sounding like that and, and it was just not what you were expecting? I think there's like a certain amount of that that you kind of like the, of that control that you relinquish, like in collaborating with someone or you can, you know, it's kind of like when I, when I choose to collaborate with somebody, it's like, okay, I know, or like have someone produce the record. And it's like, I know that, um, yeah, that they're going to be crucial in like shaping what the song turns out to be. So it's kind of like you relinquish a little bit of that, total control but that also invites this like larger world to open up because what if i am to do it all myself like at this juncture i you know i have i have the skill set that i have and i have like the limited um i have my own musical limits of what i what i know and what's available to me to like flesh out um song and um so yeah i think like um one song I don't know I just they're like drift away was one that I kind of like um had heard with more of like I don't know like an 80s like uh drum machine sound kind of throughout and then we ended up playing it more like ballad like and then adding he was playing actual drums and kind of added some of like the echoey snare parts. Um, so it was like a, a balance between those two approaches of more, less of like a driving along number and more of a ballad. And uh, yeah, but it doesn't feel, I, I like wasn't bummed about that. You know, it was yeah. cool to explore it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And were these songs written um, during, you know, after the pandemic hit or were these, did you have some laying around for a while? I know it was 16. You said that got recorded initially. Um, you know, when was the bulk of those, when were the bulk of those written? Excuse me. Um, I think about half of them were written before the pandemic and like right up until like a couple months before. And then, um, or maybe like, seven or eight of them and then uh can't do math but like yeah, yeah. <laughs> i guess maybe half yeah uh would be were like either finished after the pandemic started or just like yeah written afterwards sitting yeah. around the house candy and curry modern woman um gonna be strange uh, Mind Heart was the one that's like that's the oldest one that was like written in 2017 I think um, yeah. yeah brought yeah. it back well I think yeah. it's uh, when I first opened up 
the album to listen to for the first time, and the very first thing I saw besides the cover was Candy and Curry. And I thought, oh my God, like what could this song possibly be with yeah. this title? What is this going to sound like? I'm so curious. Um, but uh, but it's a great song. They're all great songs. How, how did you guys decide then to cut back from 16 um, to, to the 12 that made the record? Was it, was there an obvious four that didn't fit? Um, I think it was more about like, I just didn't feel like it was, (laughs) it felt a little, uh, inappropriate to have a 16 song album. So we were like, okay, if we can eliminate some, which ones do can we eliminate? Um, yeah, yeah, there was a, a cup one that I had finished like right before, like maybe even had written the last verse, like the day that I got there or something. And, um, so we did that. And then there's one that I wrote with a friend of mine, um, that I really, really love how it turned out, but I feel like it didn't to me go with the rest of the songs. Mm. Um, and maybe that's just cause like the nature of co-writing, it kind of can feel like a shared thing and less of like a me thing. Um, even though I really love it. Um, Hey, um, and yeah, so, and then we did a cover was one of them and I'm totally blanking. I mean, that might've been it. Maybe that was it as far as what we did, but, um, oh, and, and one other song that's like a ballad, ballad, ballad. And that might just be like a bonus you know release at some point (laughs) it's a song I really loved but I was like okay can't have I don't want to have 13 tracks I could but I don't want to um well felt like a nice enough number so number that's that's the law yeah do you often co-write or do you write most of your stuff by yourself I write most of my stuff um but I also there you said kitty cat jumping up here (laughs) um (laughs) <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. It. Um the yeah, I and I've been saying for a long time I'm like, yeah, I don't really co-write that much and I don't, but I over time have accumulated like a handful of songs that I've co-written with people. Um like mostly it's just friends instead of I don't really do well with like the stranger meetup. Uh let's like tap into our muse muses together like yeah it feels like pretty i don't know it's just like a uh that to me it's kind of a it's hard enough for me to access that spot uh on my own you know and so um usually what will happen is like there'll be a song that i've started or they've started and we'll kind of work on finishing it together yeah yeah no absolutely um, and this this new record came out on Thirty Tigers, is that correct? Yes. And that is that that's your first one with this label, I believe. You were on Single Lock. Um, yes. For a while, what was what was the decision to uh, to move over to Thirty Tigers for this release? Um, I really, I mean, really, it was like both, both options were, were great options. And 30 Tigers has, um, 
there's a great reputation here in Nashville and um, a lot of great artists on that label. Um, their model is more of a distribution model instead of like, like at no point did they own the masters or anything. And um, it's kind of like from the jump, the way that the deal is structured is just a little bit different and the way that their office is structured is different. Um, from a traditional label, but in both, both single lock and 30 tigers, I felt super, have felt super supported and like single lock is also a very, very artist friendly deal. Um, so yeah, it was just like wanting to, to try this opportunity, you know, try something. Um, yeah. 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 And when going, going back a little bit, how did that first, uh, meeting come about uh with single lock records and and john paul white to where you first collaborated with them so that i had actually made a record i'd made putting on airs um with dan nobler and jerry bernhardt and don billet um through up at this place called the refuge foundation for the arts um in appleton wisconsin in 2017 and their uh, vision at the time was to um, basically like afford artists the opportunity to, to make records like on a donation, like corp- get corporate donors um, to do. Like I think Jameson has been a partner with them over the years. Um, and they're, I think they're, they've shifted now and, um, it's, now it's more just like a, as far as I know, it's more just like a beautiful monastery, this old space. So there's like a, people can go up there to do writing and, you know, kind of take, take their creative projects and, uh, go up into this beautiful space and like stay for a month or whatever, do a residency. That's the word. Yeah. Yeah. So I had this record, um, and then I went on tour with I did like a week or two tour with the band um with Dom and Jerry and then with um uh our friend the Colonel. So it was like a co-bill and the Colonel had put out his record Light Country, which is an incredible, incredible record yeah. um that he made with single lock. So our last show was of that tour was in Florence, Alabama at single ox old venue. And it just so happened that John Paul white and Ben Tanner and Reed were, uh, Reed Watson were all in town for that show. So they came down to see, and I think Colonel had sent the record to them ahead of time. So they, um, had heard it and then were like, came to the show and, um, yeah, we're kind enough to release it. And then, you know, John Paul took me on tour a couple of times and yeah, it just was like the biggest affirmation of what I was doing, you know, um, to have those people who truly, truly care about music and musicians and Southern art and just art in general, um, kind of take, take me on and be willing to invest. And yeah, 
release the record. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Well, and in the last few years, you've gotten, uh, you know, along with doing your own tours, you've gotten to open for Jason Isbell, Father John Misty, Wood Brothers, Dawes, His Golden Messenger. Um, and I know you've done some some backing vocals uh, with His Golden Messenger as well. Is there anyone left on that list, either opening for you or you opening for them or the co-build together, whatever it is, is there anyone on your list? You're like, you know, I'd really love to do a tour with so-and-so. Oh yeah. I mean, the list goes on for sure. Like I've got to do a couple of shows with Jenny Lewis. Um, like I think in total, I think four shows and I really loved opening for her and would gladly do that again. Um, yeah. There's so, so many. I love, I mean, really just, yeah, it's, I mean, the list could go on. I would love to do some more shows with Father John Misty. I'd love anytime his gold messenger is down to have me around. I'm like, I'm ready. I'm ready to go. Yeah. Um, they're such great people and I really love their music and feel really connected to it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, um, yeah, I'd love. There's a there's a long list, I guess. I'd love to go to and more more so than anything else. Like I'd love to collaborate with. There's a, some friends that I've talked to, like um, Bedouin, um, and I love the band Sylvie. I'd love to make some music with them at some point. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is that an added bonus when you're on tour with somebody and you're doing your own set and then also joining in with their band like you've done with His Golden Messenger in the past? That is one of my favorite things to do. Like, I think growing up, I sang harmonies with my dad and my mom sang harmonies with my dad. And, and so that is like a way that I feel super connected to people when I get to do that. And it, um it's very fun to me. Um, it's very fun. And also is just like, I feel like it kind of is connective for like the show experience. Um, yeah, it's one of my favorite things. Um, and sometimes like, that's not, I don't know, that's maybe not, maybe it doesn't make sense or like <clears throat> to do that. And that's totally fine. Um, but it just makes when you do get to do it like that much more special, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So now that the record is out, there's going to be some dates with the full band. What's sort of the plan coming up the next few months for you? I am, I'll see, I'm going to scooch this a little closer. <laughs> I know there's a lot of floor squeaks going on. Um, okay. The next few months, um, well, I know I'm opening for my friend Courtney Marie Andrews in Australia starting in a couple of weeks. Um, I've never been so excited. Um and then opening for uh, the band Watch House for a few weeks in the U.S. in April. And, yeah, hopefully, I think in May and June, there's some full band stuff on the horizon. Uh, I don't think I can speak to you yet, but, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, <of laughs> um, but yeah, I think, um, yeah, I'm just excited to, like, get back out there and <clears throat> take a good crew along and build out the show, you know? Yeah. And 
How quickly after finishing a record are you starting to think about the next one? I know you've got to do a lot of promotion and legwork on this current record, but as a creative, are you already, I mean, are you all in on, yeah, let's promote this record, or is there this part of you that's like, well, what's the next one going to be like? What am I going to write for that? Yeah, I think, you know, naturally, since there's like that time between the release of the record and the making of it, like there's been a, exactly a year in this case, which is fast. <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like it was almost like on release day, I started to be like, oh, I might have some other song ideas starting to pop up. It was kind of like just the excitement of it and feeling so encouraged, you know, by the response I was getting. And then also I even coming home from recording actually, like I was just in such a happy place um, after that experience that I feel like some songs started to kind of bubble up and I like made a little demo of something when I got home. Um, so yeah, it definitely is like a different mode to be in like the record release stage. Um, but I'm definitely just thinking about, uh, yeah, just excited about doing the next one. I feel like that's a cool, it's healthy for me to, th to think about that too. Like, yeah. Um, and also, yeah, there's a lot of energy I want to give to, like I said, developing the, the, the band show and the touring band. So it'll be good. But yeah. Well, I want to thank you so much for uh, spending your morning chatting with me. Yes. And, thanks for uh, having me. Yes, absolutely. If you wouldn't mind, stay on the line with me for just a sec, but in front of our audience, thank you and uh, appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. All right. That's my conversation with Aaron Ray. Um, go check out a new record, Lighten Up, if you haven't already. That might be why you're here. Maybe you did check it out and uh, you wanted to hear more about her. So thanks for listening. Appreciate it. I'll be back next week, every Thursday, with a brand new episode. Enjoy the rest of your week and I'll chat with you soon.